Headquarters to all units. Headquarters to all units. All units stand by for On Patrol with the PPD. Airing now on WTBR 89.7 FM. Good morning. Welcome to On Patrol of the PPD. Today is Friday, June 11th, a beautiful Friday here in the Berkshires. This is Lieutenant Gary Traversa, commander of the Communications Outreach and Professional Standards Bureau, uh, hosting today in place of Chief Wynn, who is out and about. Um, we have a few guests here I'll introduce in a moment. But in uh, the meantime, let's get a quick check of the weather. WTBR radar weather for the Pittsfield area today, partly sunny this morning, then becoming mostly cloudy. Not as warm with highs in the upper 60s. South wind 5 to 10 miles per hour tonight, mostly cloudy. Scattered showers after midnight. Lows in the lower 50s. Southeast wind around 5 miles per hour. Chance of rain 40%. Saturday, mostly cloudy with scattered showers in the morning, then partly sunny in the afternoon. Highs in the mid 70s. East wind around 5 miles per hour, becoming north around 5 miles per hour in the afternoon. Chance of rain 40%. Weather forecasts for WTBRFM are provided by the National Weather Service. All right. Traditionally, the Chief Wind gets into some news items, but we have some guests today, so um, we'll, we'll save any news highlights for later if we even get to that. Um, I just want to introduce who's here today. Um, back by popular demand, running the, bo the board in my place is uh, our IT extraordinaire, Gary Munn. Good morning, Gary. Good morning, LT. Um, next to me is... Pittsfield Police Day Shift Commander, Lieutenant Dolly. Good morning, Lieutenant. Morning. Guy I've known for a few years. Couple years. And uh, he's kind of, I don't know, by default, I don't know how it ended up, but you uh, kind of run in the, the boat detail. So, um, yeah, myself and Lieutenant Bradford uh, teamed up and uh, we uh, kicking off the season with uh, Lieutenant Carlo from the EPOs, who's sitting right next to me. Thanks so, for introducing her. Well, there you go. Look at that. <laughs> Couldn't wait. Look at that. So excited. So it's, yeah, we're, you know, obviously uh, <clears throat> it, it took a little coordinating, uh, and we've been wanting to have uh, Lieutenant Carlo on, but it's great to have you. Thanks for <laughs> Thank coming. Thank you. Good morning. And we have all sorts of topics that, um, you know, we want to kind of touch on with, uh, you know, obviously the summertime and all the outdoor activity, not only the human activity, but the animal activity. Oh yeah. Um, just uh, for starters, you know, for the viewers and listeners, can you kind of touch on the environmental police? Because not everybody might be aware that, you know, you're out there and, and what the, the presence is and the state and maybe more specifically Berkshire County and Pittsfield. Sure. Yeah, it still surprises me that people, you know, haven't heard of environmental police or this um, past turkey hunting season. I checked an old timer. He said he's been hunting 40 years, never been checked by a game warden. So wow. I thought that's still unusual this day and wow. age. But I mean, we have what, like 5 million people in Massachusetts and um, we have nowhere near those numbers. I think we have like 80 environmental police statewide. So Every state has a, a conservation law enforcement, and in Massachusetts we're called environmental police officers. Um, so if anyone's been watching the shows on TV, Northwoods Law, we do basically all the same things. We, we're the administrators and the enforcement end for anything related to boats, ATVs, dirt bikes, snowmobiles. Um, so you get the machines registered through our agency, and we do the enforcement for those. We're primary on that. And then anything to do with hunting, fishing, trapping, um, problem animals, injured animals, that's also in our wheelhouse. So it's not just the sportsmen and the recreation this we deal with. It's, it could just be homeowners who have a bear in their yard. So we reach a lot of people very busy. I think it's important to, to tell our listeners what your coverage is. I mean, it's, it's oh, yeah. huge, the amount of area they have to cover. 
Yeah. Yeah. With just so little of manpower. Yeah. So me specifically, I'm the lieutenant of our Charlie One region, which is split up into six different districts, actually covers 33 towns. So we have from Pittsfield North uh, to Vermont and then all the way out to Orange, Massachusetts. And there's only four of us officers covering that large area. So on some days there could only be one of us, you know, works out between schedules and vacations and days off. So sometimes our response time is it could be over an hour. Mm -hmm. If you have, you know, a poaching incident or say there's an ATV accident, Mm -hmm. it could be a long wait time for one of us to get there. Um, So big areas to cover and a lot of people we deal with keeps us busy and it's you know the requirements for the job I, I i know it's a very different knowledge base but you're i mean you're still law enforcement officers so you have that oh yeah you have that primary law enforcement function but you also have that additional you know function of the you know the the atvs the animals and oh, everything yeah. that that's, goes with that yeah that's sort of our main mission focus i mean we have all law enforcement powers we have powers of arrest we have chapter 90 motor vehicle laws we can pull motor vehicles over um, but there's so many other law enforcement that do that we try to focus on our our main mission priorities which you know there aren't you know pittsfield pd's not out checking licenses mm-hmm. measuring fish all day so mm-hmm. that's what we try to stick to but we can inter- intervene with the other things if if it's public safety issue I, I'm not ashamed to say that when I first started taking the civil service tests, I took the environmental police oh, test, did? and it was extremely challenging. There was there's so much, you know. I, I didn't really grow up a hunter or a fisher. Mm-hmm. You know, I recreational fishing here and there. I didn't do any hunting. One of the questions on the test, I still remember <laughs> it to this day. What is the mating season of the speckled grouse? What I knew at that point, I was a little over my head. Yeah, I mean, I have a degree in biology, and I, it was still a very hard exam for me. I mean, they ask you what formation do gadwalls fly in, and I had no clue what a gadwall was. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's a very uh, difficult civil service exam, oh. but it is, you know, an exam. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, as far as the activity, you know, obviously focusing on, on Pittsfield, but, you know, feel free to comment on any of the challenges or issues uh you know that you're seeing uh throughout the county what what should the you know our our viewers and listeners what do they need to know about this season you know it's june 11th yeah you know what are some some cautions that you would put out there or some hot topics um, well, this time of year, it's it's all coming at once. So the weather's getting nice. Everyone is out on their, they're launching their boats. Um, a lot of them are taking like the very first trip on their boat. We're finding some issues. I mean, just go to a boat ramp and you'll see people launching their boats. They forget to put the plug in. It starts sinking <laughs> right at the ramp. So and. It's important for us to do safety equipment inspections then, too, because it's probably been a year since these people have looked at their safety equipment. They mm-hmm. may not have life jackets or, you know, their their fire extinguisher could have been, you know, discharged and they don't know. Um, so definitely boating activities ramping up. I mean, this year it seems like we skipped spring and just went right into the 80-degree weather. So people are rushing to get their boats in the water. Um they're also jumping on ATVs, so we have tons of ATV, dirt bike, side-by-side issues on state properties. You know, it is legal to ride them in Pittsfield State Forest, ATVs, um, but there's a lot of illegal trails up there, people destroying private property, and, you know, then the rains come, and that trail turns into, like, a river, and it gets all washed out. And also on wildlife management areas, um, we have huge issues at Chalet Wildlife Management <coughs> Area, which encompasses like three different towns, Dalton, uh, Windsor, Cheshire. And that's one of our largest wildlife management areas in the state. It's like 7,000 acres. No machines whatsoever are supposed to be there. And we have rampant illegal activity there. It really destroys um, the land. And it also introduces invasive species too so this garlic mustard that people are really fighting in their properties it's just an invasive weed when they drive their atv up into the management area it transfers all that up there so now we have all these invasives growing in management areas and you know that yeah, yeah. atvs no, no. i mean they're right they're driving right down the street in pittsfield i mean you guys are dealing with it too and that is such a safety issue mm-hmm. i mean if it, an atv you're really unprotected you have nothing surrounding you if you hit a motor vehicle i mean it could be 
you know, fatal accident mm-hmm. left and right. So that, you know, that stuff is high on our priority list. Any of the safety equipment, the operation, we we greatly enforce. And for ATVs, the fines are actually pretty high. You know, they're, they, most of them are around $250 civilly. So if you're unregistered in an area you're not supposed to be with no helmet, I mean, you're talking upwards of $1,000 just in civil fines. I've seen a lot of that, um, you know, more off duty uh, than on, yeah. unfortunately. So I can't um, necessarily take any action. But a lot of ATVs on the street with no helmet. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah, uh, and they're not uh, meant to operate on pavement. You know, they're yeah. meant to be off road. The type of tires they have are not sufficient to stop in time. And you know, yeah. other issues we have are age restrictions. So we have really young kids on full size machines. And our laws were updated, I believe, in two thousand five for a, a little boy. He was, I think, six years old, and he had a full size machine roll over on him, and he was killed. So you know, we take that safety stuff and the age restrictions very seriously. So, um, you know, obviously, you know, the ATVs in the city, what, mm. do you, are most of your calls self-generated? Do you, are you responding to? Um, yeah, we respond to a lot. Um, we do get a lot of calls on that activity. Um, if we don't have any calls, then we kind of know the hot spots, the travel routes. We'll go sit in an area and hope to encounter a machine. And we also do um, special operations where we ourselves will get on our own ETVs. We'll have like three or four officers on a special operation, and we'll target one area for you know four to six hours. And you know, and anyone we encounter, it's going to be heavy-handed enforcement. So, are are people surprised for the most part that? Um, they're they're breaking a law is it is it more or less a lot of unawareness or yeah so for boating and atvs if you're an adult there's not really an education requirement so you could just buy the machine and operate it so how else are they really supposed to know the laws unless it's self-generated or they encounter one of us so we try to do a lot of education when we see people um i just did a coffee with a cop thing in hinsdale um, with the state police as well and we had a bunch of kids come over i had my machine out and you know they were sitting on it and i was you know quizzing them i said what should you always wear when you're on an atv and you know they're middle school kids and they knew they said oh i gotta wear a helmet but i was just so surprised at how many of them said oh i have a machine at home yeah. and i'm like geez you're too young you know according to the laws you're too young to operate <clears throat> but it's just a lot of it is education and we take that into account when we stop people if they're compliant and um you know they have no history with us you know we have a variety of ways to handle the situation what is the age for atvs in mass so if you're less than 10 years old you're not supposed to be on an atv at all to between 10 to 14 years old if you're participating or practicing for some type of professional event like a race or um, an indoors thing you can operate a machine less than 99 cc or 90 cc's directly supervised by an adult so the adult has to be out in the yard with the kid and if the adult yells stop the kid you know you have to be that close you can't just be in the house looking out the window mm-hmm. um, 14 to 16 years old you can operate but it's got to be 90 cc's or less machine and then 16 to 18 years old you have to have a safety certificate you can operate an adult size machine but you have to go through uh um, an education course and it's pretty easy the majority of it is online and then you just come in um, and speak with an EPO it's like a classroom setting for three hours that's it and you you learn the laws you take a test you get the certificate and then you can operate but anyone under 18 years old you have to have that safety it's almost like you need a chart you do and we do by. have one on yeah. our web page yeah if if people have any questions you know we we would be glad if they called us you know I'll, I'll put our we have a 1-800 number out there. It's not like 911. I mean, people can call and say, hey, I got questions mm-hmm. about ATV operation. Have the district officer call me back. And we will. So you can have, you know, uh, a license that's, you know, 16 and a half years old. You mm-hmm. can operate a vehicle. Yeah. But if you don't have that certificate, you can't operate an no, ATV. Sir. No. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, I'd be happy to discuss that with anyone. We have these little safety booklets that we give out for boating and ATVs or off-highway vehicles, and it explains a bunch of safety stuff and then the laws. So anyone I talk to, I try to give them one of those booklets, and I'll put the citation right inside and give it to them. 
So as long as we're on the, the subject of, you know, the age restrictions mm. for for ATVs, let's... Um, we can talk boats. Talk boats. Yeah. Boats and jet skis, because that's very popular, right? Yeah. So um, I think it was last... The week before last, I taught a boating safety course in Massachusetts. And now this course, again, it's not required for adults. But if you're between 12 and 15 years old and you want to take a motorboat out by yourself, I mean, I've stopped 13-year-old kid on the ocean driving a motorboat, and he had the certificate, and he was good to go. You know, I quizzed him on his safety equipment, and he was squared away. So if you're under 12 years old, you can drive a boat, but the adult has to be standing right next to you kind of overseeing making sure you know you know when to stop or which you know who's got the right away um 12 to 15 you can take it out with the certificate by yourself and then once you're older than 15 years old anyone can operate a motorboat jet skis are a little bit different so under 16 years old you can never operate a jet ski in massachusetts and sometimes we even have the adult on a jet ski and they'll have a little kid in front of them operating the controls and the adult's hands are down by their side and that could be a dangerous situation you know if the adult falls off the kids on the machine all by themselves um and it's also not safe it's not illegal but it's not safe to have a kid in front of you on a jet ski or or any machine like a snowmobile or an etv because if you were to hit something that kid would be crushed between you and the handlebars, or you could even die. I think we did have one fatality on a, it was either a snowmobile or ATV, where the kid was in the front, and they were young, so their helmet was lower placed, you know, right in the adult's chest, and when they struck the object, it, it killed the adult, because oh. it's like blunt force trauma to the chest. Right. Um, yeah, so jet skis, no operation under 16 years old. 16 to 18, you have to have the safety certificate, the class I just taught, and it, again, it's super easy. We offer them throughout the state. Um, it's recognized from other states. So if you go um, New Hampshire, Maine, Vermont, if you take a class up there, it's recognized in Massachusetts. Just have to have that safety certificate. And then once you're 18, you're good to go. You can operate a jet ski, no problem. Are there any um, of those boarding courses coming up in, in Pittsfield area? Um, uh, no, actually, I just... <clears throat> We're working on getting um, kind of a little satellite office at Berkshire Community College, and they just showed me a room there that we'd be able to host another boating safety class. Yeah. Um, this this last one I ran in Cheshire, I was kind of disappointed. You know, we haven't held these in a year because, due to COVID. And our coordinator, you know, once I established where I was going to teach it, I sent her the information. She sent it out to the public. 100 people on a waiting list we only had five students wow. so that was very disappointing it's too bad yeah so i probably won't offer another one out here um until next march we do have one at the end of this month out in gill if people want to drive a little ways but um, they can go right on our webpage, massachusetts environmental police and sign up for that class it's still open enrollment right now okay kind of leads me into what we were discussing well, a couple of weeks ago, even last year, about getting Lieutenant Carlo in during roll call training. You yeah. know, at least for my shift, mm. um, maybe not much with the boating, but with the AT- ATVs and yeah, anything. And more, just just to educate our officers with with some of their laws that they go by. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and what my officers can can write or arrest for. Oh yeah, you know, just just a, like a half an hour roll call training before the shift. Yeah, anytime. I'll be there. Yeah, no, Any I kind think... of training or even on critters. Um, so I know you asked me a little while ago what's what else is going on this time of year. So bears, black bears are so active right now because we're approaching their breeding season. So, you know, the females are getting chased by the males and the, the yearlings are getting dispersed. So she's mm-hmm. kicking them out saying, you know, you're on your own now. So they're trying to establish new territories. And a lot of their natural food is not out, isn't... Um, like the blueberries, the wild blueberries, that stuff's not available yet for them. So they're still looking for other easy food sources. So we've been having uh, some complaints in Pittsfield about bears getting into garbage or bird feeders. And it's just you have to remove the food sources and make sure they can't get it because that's the reward. If they successfully get your garbage or they eat bird seed, they'll continually come back for it. And they'll teach their young ones too. Mm-hmm. So we should residents... What action should they take or not take, um, you know, if there's a bear that wanders into their yard? So it's not unusual to see bears in Pittsfield. I mean, we have them in in downtown Chicopee. We're actually dealing with a couple way out 
there's one in Situate right now, just south of Boston. Um, and there's one down in Fall River. So they're moving a lot further east. Um, so sightings, if a bear runs through your yard, it's not necessarily something you have to call and tell us about. I mean, we're aware they're in the area. Um, what gets us nervous is bears that approach people will physically come up and approach a human. I mean, they might hold their ground, but eventually if they could, you could chase them away or scare them away, that's okay. But if they approach people or if they approach pets on a leash, like if you're walking your dog, you know, it's three feet from you and the bear comes right up to you, that's scary um, mm -hmm. for us. Or if they start breaking into homes. Hmm. So if you put like a 50 pound bag of bird seed in your shed, the bear gets in there, you know, that, that makes sense. Cause they, they actually smell better than a dog does like seven time greater sense oh, wow. of smell yeah so they know the bird seeds there but if they're breaking into your house and they're in your kitchen then you know that's not that's not good for us or anyone and that that usually results in lethal consequences for the bear is that common no not really the, it's not, not the i mean just the fact that they'll they're breaking into a house or yeah you know, going through a door yeah and that it's not that common but if it does happen no matter where you bring that bear, a lot of people say, well, why can't you just immobilize it and bring it somewhere else? Because that's like a learned behavior. And no matter where you drop that bear in Massachusetts, it's going to do the same thing. Right. So if they're breaking into homes or approaching people or, you know, killing pets on a leash, which you're on the other end, then, you know, those are instances where we, we have to lethally handle that bear. So are there um, noises people can make to, you know, Kind yeah. of annoy the bear and make them want to leave you can try i mean it all depends on the bear if so if this is a bear that mostly lives in the woods and comes into neighborhoods to eat you know sounds might work you could bang pots and pans try air horns um over time they tend to get immune to that if if nothing else follows if they're still getting bird seed and you're banging your pots and pans you know it's risk versus reward for the bear they'll deal with a little bit of noise and still get the food reward um, so noises work you could try like sensor lighting at night i mean i tell people just to fill up water balloons and keep them in a bowl by the door so if the bears in your yard just start chucking water balloons at them i mean you don't want to use paintballs or anything that is that could harm the animal um, but just you just want to make their life miserable so if you remove the food sources and kind of drive them crazy when they come in the yard they'll stop coming around Water balloons. That's <laughs> interesting. Yep. Oh. All right. So, uh, any other animal? Oh uh, yeah. You know, nuisance issues <laughs> that we should. <laughs> Got a Not, couple hours. We're just today. getting yeah, started. Yep. <laughs> um, the big one too right now is um, we've entered the fawning season for deer, so they're having their babies, and you know a lot of people still don't know that when an adult deer has a baby, they, they're not with them all the time. So they'll leave that little spotted fawn in a hidden place under a bush, sometimes up against buildings or porches, and the adult will leave and go feed and then, you know, feed herself, and then she'll come back maybe every three or four hours and nurse the little one, but she does not spend the whole day with them. And it's it's meant so predators aren't attracted to the fawn so the longer time she spends with the baby the coyotes or even bears you know bears will kill deer fawns um it just puts the baby's life in risk so we've been inundated with calls where people say i found an abandoned fawn which in reality they haven't the adult is just away feeding for the day so our policy <laughs> along with mass wildlife is if you if you find a fawn just leave it be. Um, you can't be anywhere close near it. Like we recommend 500 feet away. If you can see the fawn, then the adult will not come back to it. So you could actually be preventing their reunion. So maybe two or three days if the fawn is still out calling, bleeding, and you nobody sees the doe around, then reach out to us, the authorities. Don't just scoop it and bring it in the house. Um, we have well-intentioned people trying to, you know, feed animals cow's milk or something that really causes a lot of damage internally to them. So if you see a fawn, you know, you could call us or Mass Wildlife, just put it on our radar, but don't touch it, don't approach it, and just leave it be. So kind of a related question mm. but I don't, you know maybe not necessarily you know something you might have expertise about but maybe more aware than most people what's that ticks oh it, 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 
I, I hear this is a it's you know, horrible from, from others that it's a crazy tick season and mm-hmm. I've experienced that <clears throat> myself where mm-hmm. there's the ticks are just rampant this year yeah. is that are you finding that as oh, well oh yeah even uh, I live up in Windsor kind of the hill towns and it's you know we don't usually have ticks there but we do this year and it's just it's horrible and you know I have a young family so I'm always taking the kids out hiking and it's just got to be a part of your life now where before bed every night after yeah. tubs or whatever check yourself check the kids check your pets um, I know a lot of people treat their dogs and cats with like the Soresto and everything mm-hmm. that doesn't prevent the ticks from crawling on them so what happens is your dog will pick up a tick outside come in the house and the tick can't bite the dog so it'll just hop off and it'll come to you in the house mm-hmm. it'll start crawling on your wall or anything um, so it's just gotta you just gotta check every night every morning before you go to bed you know in your hair um, your armpits behind your ears I found one of on my son and it was so so small but it's it's really the disease issues with um, you know Lyme disease mm-hmm. or some of these other babyosis diseases um, they the tick has to be attached for an extended period like 24 hours or close to that so if you find them that day and remove it even if it's already biting you as long as you don't get that bullseye then you should be okay so that's all more reason to check every night yes mm-hmm. yep and uh, you know, just be aware, even if, it, you know, my mother-in-law had a, a tick on the back of her leg. It, you know, she doesn't really go out in, mm-hmm. in the yard, you know. It's, uh, you know, she's just not active like that. Um, but my niece and nephew were, were in and out of the house. I, yeah. I, you know, I think we attributed it to them being out in the yard, coming in, and it jumps off of them onto her. Yeah. You know, it's, so I know it's, my husband... Um, it was during turkey season. He had, you know, he changed out of his camouflage clothing and left it in our dining room. And we had ticks crawling on the walls just off his clothing. So yeah. if you do that, like if you have any specific clothes that you wear hiking or hunting, um, keep them in a Rubbermaid container or something just so it's secure yeah. out in the garage so it's not in your living space. Yeah. All right. Um, we're almost on a break, but just before we do break, we'll give you a little... A little breather there, Lieutenant Carlo. <laughs> um, you know, as far as uh, Pittsfield and, and our activity on the lake this year, LT, what are we looking at? Well, just real quick, um, she touched upon it earlier about you know the safety precautions and the, and the things that new boaters or old boaters should have on their vessel with them. Mm. And I know you mentioned uh, fire extinguisher. Um, uh, life vest for every single person on yeah. that boat. Uh, was it a whistle? Yeah. Well, so is it a kit that, that people can buy? I mean, yeah, they do sell them in kits too. Mm-hmm. But the main things are, are life jackets. I mean, those you have to have one for each person on board a vessel. That's not even a motorboat. Um, a lot of times I stop people on kayaks, canoes, and even these stand up paddle boards. Mm-hmm. If, you're, if you're transiting across the lake, or out of like the swim area, stand-up paddle boards have to have a life jacket on board. A lot of them will strap it up in the front. So, yeah, life jackets is the number one thing we check. And um, it's funny, people get thoroughly insulted when I ask them mm-hmm. for their life jackets. So my policy, especially if I see a pontoon with many people on board, um, there's a greater chance that they might not have enough life jackets. So I'll pull up alongside, introduce myself, and um, I'll ask each person to hold a life jacket in their hand. That's way it's easy for me to see who has one, who doesn't, if it's the appropriate size. You know, you're not going to put a kid in an adult life jacket because if they go in the water, they'll slip right out yep. of it. And then, yeah, um, vessels have to have a sound-producing device. If you have a horn on a motorboat, that's fine. Um, other than that, you got to have a whistle. Like even kayak, canoe, you got to have some means of making a sound. If a vessel's coming at you, you can't get out of the way. How are you going to communicate to them? So you got to have sound-producing device. Okay. All right. Let's uh, take a, a couple-minute break here, another check of the weather. You're listening to On Patrol with the PPD. 89.7 WTBR FM Pittsfield Community Radio. WTBR radar weather for the Pittsfield area. Today, partly sunny this morning, then becoming mostly cloudy. 
Not as warm with highs in the upper 60s. South wind 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly cloudy. Scattered showers after midnight. Lows in the lower 50s. Southeast wind around 5 miles per hour. Chance of rain 40%. Saturday, mostly cloudy with scattered showers in the morning, then partly sunny in the afternoon. Highs in the mid 70s. East wind around 5 miles per hour, becoming north around 5 miles per hour in the afternoon. Chance of rain 40%. Weather forecasts for WTBR FM are provided by the National Weather Service. Support for WTBR comes from Berkshire Community College. BCC offers more opportunity and less student debt. With small class sizes and more than 50 academic programs to choose from. Fall classes begin on September 7th. Apply today at berkshirecc.edu. And from County Ambulance, providing quality, professional, efficient medical care and medical transportation services to the citizens of Berkshire County. Online at countyamb.com. Support for WTBR comes from Greylock Federal Credit Union, proud to support high school arts and sports programs to help our community thrive. Greylock Federal, with locations throughout the Berkshires and online at greylock.org. And from BeFair. BeFair is one of the largest premier human service agencies in Berkshire County. If you're looking for services for a loved one or are interested in caring for the people we support, visit BeFair.org today for available opportunities. Hi, this is Officer Darren Derby with the Pittsfield Police Department. Folks, unfortunately, drug use is a driving factor for a lot of crime taking place in our city. The most prevalent crime being theft. Please, take the extra time to ensure that your belongings are safe inside your vehicle. Do not leave anything of value in plain sight. Hide your belongings. Place them in your trunk or take anything of value out of the vehicle. Always keep your vehicle locked. Don't make it easy for them. This message is brought to you by the Pittsfield Police Department in cooperation with WTBR-FM. Welcome back to On Patrol with the PPD, Friday, June 11th, 2021. Uh, we are here with um, Gary Munn, Good IT morning. genius. How are you? Doing great, Gary, especially that you're here this week. <laughs> it's um, a ray of sunshine, isn't it? <laughs> he is. <laughs> I could wear my glasses because there's so much light coming from that area. <clears throat> well, it, it is good to have him. No, absolutely. And, uh, I appreciate he's, him running the board today. He's great. And uh, he's actually, you know, Save this. a little more talkative because, <laughs> you know, Gary's a boater and uh, talking about something that he's interested in. Camper, boater, camper, boater. father, yeah. IT specialist. You do it all. Living the dream. Love everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, Lieutenant Dolly, day shift commander and also boater, uh, camper, yep. yeah. all, all of above. Father. All of the above. <laughs> I, I can hit most of those, just not the uh, camper part. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just a guest. Um, and then uh, Lieutenant Carlo from the Environmental uh, Police. Um, so we were just talking uh, during the break about some additional uh, topics. Um, before we get into that, Tommy, what can you tell us about PPD's new boat? Um, well, about a year old now, Yeah, right? about a year old. Um first season was last season um captain kircher and uh, chief win made a purchase of um, a new boat for the ppd it's it's a beautiful boat it's exactly what we need um it's right now it's docked at um anota lake right next to the epos on a private uh, property up there um we um we launch as much as we can to get out there uh, we team up a lot with um, Lieutenant Carlo and her team to go out and patrol Anoda. Um, she also has one on Pontusic mm -hmm. that uh, is up and running. <clears throat> Excuse me. But our boat is um, usually staffed with two officers. Um, we don't like going out with less than two officers for obvious reasons. Right. Yeah. Uh, same with Lieutenant Carlo. Uh, she she tries to team up with either us out there or one of her officers. So people might not know that we were, if if. Environmental police only have one, and we have yeah. one. We team up. Mm -hmm. Exactly, and you know we we've had last year, actually last couple of years, we've had quite a quite a bit of accidents mm. and mishaps. Yeah, um, just people being reckless and careless, yeah. and, or and or not knowing. Yeah, I think that's a big part. Is they not you know, know not being educated what the the rules and regulations and laws are on the on the lakes, um, but we're going to be out there this year. Um, it's it's long overdue 
to be out there, mm -hmm. uh, especially at the ramp area in the parking, which, you know, we could sit here for the next couple hours and go over that because we get so many complaints. Mm -hmm. Us too. Um, about at parking down there at the, at the ramps. Mo more <clears throat> more down at Anota Lake than yeah. Pontusic because Pontusic's just, it, it's so open. And, and there's the, actually yeah, two, there's, there's an overflow parking. lot. Yep. And, and now that the overflow lot is open in Anota, um, I'm working real closely with uh, Jim McGrath, um, who's who's working with us. The the commission we met with the commission, uh, Lake Commission, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. both Lake Commissions both actually. Um, Ricardo Morales is on board that um, from the city about getting his people up there when we're not available to cite violators or educate, and uh, so it's all coming together. We got ahead of it this year, so yep. to speak. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'll let Lieutenant Carlo just kind of fill in the blanks here. Yeah, so with the boat <laughs> ramps, a um, couple important points is, number one, these areas are meant for vessels and trailers and the people going to enjoy the lake by vessels. Okay, if you're, if you're going there to use um, the shoreline to swim or picnic, you should not be parking where any of the trailer spots are designated. And that should be a clue if it's a really long parking space yeah. it's if, for a truck it, and a trailer it looks like it's yeah. fit three cars yeah don't park there that, yeah it's not for you no so and um a lot of the parking down there i mean pittsfield you guys did a really great job with the signs along the edge um as you're coming down to the mm -hmm. ramp it's pretty narrow and uh, i think last year we had vehicles parking on both sides of the road and that would restrict like if we had an accident yeah. or an emergency down there yeah. you can't get a fire truck or an ambulance down the road so the main thing with that is it says tow-away zone. If you park on the edges or no parking area, you could be sighted or you could have your, your vehicle and trailer towed, which is would be a shame if you're out in your boat and you come back to the ramp and there's no trailer or truck for you. So just please pay attention to the signs. If um, you want a picnic, maybe use the, the other parking lot mm -hmm. for the park itself, not for the boat ramp facility. And, you know, same thing. You're not supposed to be swimming next to the boat ramp or um, fishing right at the boat ramp. People are trying to launch their vessels. I mean, we've had Dangerous. people, yeah, we've had swimmers struck before. Same thing over at Pontusic. There's a sign that says no swimming in this area. So I think it's within 100 feet of the boat ramp. You're not supposed to swim or picnic or anything. It's just strictly for launching and retrieving vessels. And, and it's, it's, it's marked, safety. I think, now with the no yes. wake area. I mean, obviously in and out. You have to get in and out of that area. Yeah. Hot Tuzik. But you see people from the shoreline all oh the time God. just jumping in right where the boat ramp is. Yep. And, and they, they leave a lot of times. It's the jet skis or the faster boats. Yep. They'll pull up right next to the boat ramp and they'll hop on their machine and just blast right out of there. Gas it. So, yeah, the distance is really 150 <clears throat> feet from the boat ramp. You should be going no faster than six knots, like which, which is super slow. If you look behind you and you have white water, you're going too fast. And <clears throat> I realize this, it's hard for some people to visualize what 150 feet look like. So I say three school buses stacked end to end is 150 feet. As you're, you know, as I'm patrolling along the lake, I'll look out to shore, and if I can't visualize three school buses, then I'm I'm too close. Mm -hmm. yep. um, so yeah, you just got to go slow next to the boat ramp, and that's if people are launching their their boats. You don't want your wake to cause an accident. They're going to get their hand, their leg stuck between the boat and the dock and the trailer. It could cause an accident, injuries. Um, the other important thing about these boat ramps is um, the zebra mussel enforcement. Oh yeah. So. We have down in Laurel Lake and Lee, we have zebra mussels in Massachusetts. So we have to prevent them from being spread to other bodies of water because once you get it, you're never getting rid of it ever. So that's why as soon as you pull into any of these boat ramps, you'll see there's a kiosk with these yellow forms and it's the honor system. You're basically attesting to the fact that you didn't just come from Laurel Lake with a bilge full of zebra mussels that you're going to now disperse into pittsfield lakes and ruin it for the rest of the community um so you fill out that form put it in your dashboard um there are boat ramp monitors there i know their their times this year are going to be all over the place to try to keep people honest you know they're not going to be there every day from you know six to noon they're mm -hmm. going to vary it so everyone's got to do this even if you have kayaks or canoes you have to fill out this form put it in your vehicle it's a hundred dollar citation so we can issue those um and I think that's 
question for you. Yeah. Um, if if I did come from a, a lake like Laurel Lake with the zebra mussels, or knowing that it's in there, mm. preventively, what can I do as a boater before I launch my boat into one of our lakes? Yeah. Is, so is what it, you spray it down? You yeah. You sanitize? can do. You can do that. Um, some of these places, like Laurel Lake, once you leave there, you're actually required to wash your boat and trailer right at the ramp. They have a washing facility there. I think Stockbridge Bowl has one down there too, which you can use. But if it's a body of water with mussels in it, you have to wash before you leave. Mm -hmm. um, other bodies of water, and it's good practice too. If, if you're leaving a lake, um, you wanna pull your drain plug before you leave, get all that water out of there. You wanna dump your live well. Um, you want to look physically at like your propeller or the outside of your trailer make sure there's no greenery, no seaweed or anything okay. clinging to that because it could have zebra mussels inside. Um, you take your boat home, let the sun dry it out. You could also use um, a pretty dilute bleach concentration. I think it's like 10% spray the outside of your boat down. You just want to make sure it's dry. Okay, before you put it in any other body of water. You don't want to have a bilge full of water, or a live well, or buckets or anything. So just leave that stuff with the body of water you're leaving. And that should prevent it pretty good. Okay. So it's just Laurel Lake in, in, in Mass, yeah. Mass at this point? Yeah, but it's, you know, all of our, a lot of bodies of water on this side of the state, you know, we're, we're greatly trying to reduce the spread and prevent it. So definitely Pittsfield lakes are, are conducive. They the lakes? Are they, is that, is that a treatable thing? Um, I remember Lake George had an issue with that. Yeah, I think they still ago. do. They I'm do? not sure if they treat for zebra mussels. I know they do for other, um, plant life, but I don't know if they do any treatment for zebra mussels. Okay. Are, are there, you know, you mentioned Lake George, are there mm -hmm. other lakes, you know, Vermont, New York, Connecticut, that people might go to for a day that they need to be aware of that, that you know of that i'm not sure uh new hampshire and vermont new york you know some drainages out there i mean the best practice is what i just said if you're yeah. leaving a body of water no matter where you are yeah. any water that came from there leave it at the ramp you know if you do pull out any green milfoil or anything that was attached to your propeller put it in the garbage okay. right there i mean most of these boat ramps have yeah. you know facilities to dispose of it right there okay um we we talked a little bit about um OUI boat. Oh yeah. So uh, I just want to touch on that because it you know a big season sings a big part of you know being yeah. out there on the lake for the the day yep. is having some beverages. Yeah, it is. I mean it's it's a fun time and people tend to go overboard with it. Um so and surprisingly, um OUI on a boat is is very similar to motor vehicle so it's it's driver's license sanctions so if you're guilty of OUI on a motorboat same thing losing your license on a the road there's also implied consent so if you're pulled over by a motor vehicle um, the officer thinks you're intoxicated takes you to the station you have to blow into the breathalyzer machine if you don't it's automatic loss of license for six months same thing for motorboats it's 120 days you lose your license if you don't blow into the machine um you lose your your motor vehicle license your just, driver's license yeah, just, for a motor vehicle yeah just want to make sure it's clear to everybody yes, that you, yep. you know you're you're out there on a boat you have a few too many it, it could be a, a unfortunate consequence for your, your actual driver's license. Yeah, and another surprising thing with this OUI law in Massachusetts for vessels is it's not just motorboats. You can get an OUI on a canoe or a kayak too. No kidding. So it's any vessel, any any vessel that you're using for transportation across the water. And we have had those. Now let me ask you this. So if mm. you're, you're just referencing, if, if you get an OUI and you refuse the breathalyzer and you mm -hmm. get your license taken away for a motor vehicle, yeah. How do you get anything taken away? What's the? I understand that that's the repercussions of that, but can you get on a boat the next day and drive a boat? You know what I mean? Um, I mean, is it? That's a good question. Yeah, I think you still can operate a boat because there's no license required. So the penalty is going to be your motor, your your driver's, driver's license. Now, what if you don't have a driver's license? Well, we can also revoke your registration for your motorboat too. Okay. So if you're OUI yeah, motorboat, yeah, we can go through and and revoke your. If registration. it's registered to you. Yeah. Which, okay. 
yeah, and you can't be out nine there. Nine out of ten times it's registered yep. to the operator. Yeah, op, you know, when you're underway on a boat, you deal with so many other factors. So you have the wind, the constant sun, especially mm-hmm. if you can't get out of the, you know, you can't get under shade. Um, there's no lines on the road, so boats are coming from all different directions, so you have that higher level of alertness. A lot of times some boats are noisy, like those cigarette boats, just yep. being on that for four hours listening to that noise. Um, I think the Coast Guard equates one alcoholic drink on a boat is equivalent to three on land. So the you're, heat and the yeah, the you're sun. dealing with all mm-hmm. these other physical stressors, and then you add alcohol into the mix. It's much much worse. Now, there was one thing I wanted to touch upon. Um, there was some confusion at the meeting we had with the commission. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the questions regarding the the Coast Guard and Massachusetts um, laws regarding tethers, uh, the boat and the tether system. Uh, oh, the lanyard, the kill lanyards, switch. Yes. So some, yeah. Some people may not know that. Yeah, uh, it's still in the works right now. So in Massachusetts, if you're operating a jet ski, <laughs> you have to have that kill switch attached to your person. Mm-hmm. So basically, if you fall off your jet ski, the the switch gets pulled and your mm-hmm. machine stops dead. So it won't keep going without mm-hmm. you on board. Well, there's new um, federal legislation that makes it mandatory for small vessel operators to also have the lanyard kill switch. Um, our agency is is currently looking at changing our regulations. I'm not sure if we're in the actual process yet, but there could be something coming down the pipe in Massachusetts law for that as well. So, you know, just stand by for that. Um, I also wanted to mention about OUI enforcement. So there's a nationwide push. It's called Operation Dry Water, where, you know, every state in the United States, their their boating enforcement is really kicked up a notch during the 4th of July. Sometimes it falls on the weekend before the 4th of July, but in Massachusetts this year, we're doing it the weekend of the 4th, where we're going to be out in the water specifically looking for vessels that are operating under the influence. Well, great. It's, yeah. You know, keep it safe for everybody. Yeah. A couple of things that you mentioned um, that I just want to expand on registration. Hmm. Can you just touch on what types of boats require registration? Yeah. So in Massachusetts, any boat that's propelled by any type of motor, so gas, diesel, even battery-powered trolling motors, you have to be registered in Massachusetts. It's good for two years. I mean, if it's a smaller boat, it's only 40 bucks for mm-hmm. two years, which is doable. Um because of COVID, a lot of people, you know, we had started out with a grace period for registrations, but that is now done. So mm-hmm. there is no grace period for have, not having a valid registration on your boat in Massachusetts. It's it's recreation. It's not like it's a, it's a motor vehicle where you have to get to work with it. You have to get to school. It's purely for fun. So if you're out there unregistered, it's a violation. So you're... you're um... The EPOs are, are back in the swing. I, the administrative, I should say, in um, Springfield, are they back? Not I, really. We, you know, as I know, we hear a lot of complaints about, I know. I sent my registration in and I haven't gotten it back yet. Yeah. And I don't know what's going on because of COVID. Yeah. Unfortunately, and, um, <clears throat> our secretary's office is um, still holding on to some of these, yeah. um, you know, COVID. Process them. Yeah, COVID regulations. Some of our meetings we still can't have in person. And uh, our registration offices are currently closed. But people, you know, have to submit things by mail. Um, anything you submit, your your application for registration, your tax form, keep copies of that on board. You know, people tell me, oh, I sent it in three weeks ago and I still haven't yep. got it. Well, there's no way for me to physically check on that. I can't call our dispatch and check. But if you show me your application with a date on it or, you know, your tax form or whatever, we can work with you. It's not like you're just not doing yep. the process at all. You're making an effort. I suggest, uh, and this actually happened to me when I when I registered my boat, um, at some point, because I had to send in the, the title, which was signed over to me mm-hmm. when I bought the boat, it got lost. It was nowhere to be found. It, 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 oh it was months before uh, I had to reconnect with them. Yeah. And the one thing I learned is I should have sent it, I think it's priority, where they oh. had to sign for oh. and when, when they receive it. Yeah, yeah. When they re- and I didn't do that. So this thing was lost. Yeah. So I had to go through the process. It was ironic. I had to go through the process of applying for another title. <laughs> Tracking down the previous owner. Oh, what a pain. Doing all that process again. Once I sent that in, like a couple days later, <laughs> mine came in. Yeah. It was the weirdest thing. It might cost a little more, but it gives <clears throat> you a peace of mind. It's knowing. a peace of mind to have the end. And, and for you guys, yep. someone's going to show you. Say, hey, listen, this is... I sent it in. Here's my here's my exactly. postal receipt. 
Yeah, you know that we can follow up. That can you can follow up with it. That's yeah. a no brainer. There was one thing I wanted to mention. Um, <clears throat> so our authority, and even your law enforcement authority, is um, patrolling the waters of the Commonwealth. It's different than motor vehicle. So if I stop a boat, I'll put my blue lights on and stop a boat. They automatically say I wasn't doing anything wrong and. On the water, you don't have to. So we have the authority to stop any vessel at any time to check safety equipment, your registration, fishing stuff. If you're fishing, we'll so check your no license. So there's no reason. The threshold is, is basically zero. No, yeah. no reasonable suspicion, no probable cause. Just yep. you see the blue lights, you hear the siren, you yeah. see us say stop. And you have, you, have to, you have to stop. So all of our boating laws are criminal and we can arrest on PC. And we have the option to go civilly, okay? Mm -hmm. And that's what we do most of the time is just civil citation or a warning or a verbal warning. Um, but if you have a police boat with the blue lights on, you need to stop. And we do, I mean, I, I'm very quick with these inspections. I look at your registration, life jackets, whistle, fire extinguisher, you're good to go. I might quiz you on, you know, the speed limit for the state, which we do have a speed limit on the water. It's 45 miles an hour. Um, but we're not there to tie you up for the whole day. We're not digging to find violations. We just want to make sure you have enough life jackets for people. Now, you, you there's one thing I wanted to touch upon. You were talking about <clears throat> the wave runners and the jet skis earlier. The mm -hmm. jet skis and wave runners have to be off the lake at dusk. Am I correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so for night operation, there's no jet ski operation and no water skiing. You can't tow anybody at night. Why? Because they don't have a light on no them. Lights. They might see the light on your motorboat, but they don't see the person being towed behind you. So it's a, you know, a safety violation. And, yeah, we... We see it all the time on those two lakes with the, the wave yeah, runners and dangerous. the jet skis are out past dusk. On that subject, <clears throat> I think people don't realize because New York allows it, oh, tow okay. uh, towing, towing yeah. a... Uh, jet skis towing a tube, so you can you can uh, tube behind a jet ski in New York, but you can't do it in Mass. Yeah, people are yeah. aware of that. A lot. Of, I know the jet ski um, regulations vary greatly from state to state. You know, a lot of them are the same. You have to have that safety lanyard attached, and you have to have a life jacket. But in in Massachusetts, you cannot tow anything from a jet ski. You can't jump wakes. So mm. if we see a motorboat going fast down the lake and a jet ski close behind jumping their wake, that's right. you know that's operating to endanger actually. Yeah. And there's certain things we can um, unsafe situations we can actually terminate voyages for so if i check um i did it the other day to at least 11 kayaks there were a couple groups out there i check a kayak no life jacket on board you have to go to shore and fix that either go buy one go borrow one i mean sometimes i have some i can loan people but we need them you know if i respond yeah. to an accident or a, a sinking vessel that's going to leave me with no life jackets so yeah. that's something we can terminate your voyage for if you're leaking fuel if you have no fire extinguisher we can mandate that you go back to shore and we'll follow you to make sure you get there safely um and people they get so upset about that but it's for their own safety one thing I wanted to touch on, um, because I was not aware of this until last year, I read an article about a, a tragic uh, incident, mm -hmm. um, open air carbon monoxide poisoning. Yeah. Um, didn't realize it was a thing. <clears throat> there was um, a situation um, where a, um, a young boy, you know, I don't know, 10 years old or whatnot, was on the family boat mm -hmm. for hours, you know, nice summer day towards the back of the boat. Um, inboard or outboard? Uh, I don't remember. Probably inboard. Inboard, because yeah. all that, because the pump's probably not sucking that out. Yeah, if there's not proper ventilation. <clears throat> or... But just being back there, you know, the kid wasn't, you know, feeling well, and, mm -hmm. they, you know, they just thought it was something else. and Ended up that, I mean, even though you're in the in open air, air yeah. just that, those... You know, gases kind of yeah, swirling carbon, around. Carbon monoxide can be really scary because the symptoms mock a lot of times what seasickness is mm -hmm. or intoxication. So some people might say, ah, you're just getting seasick, but they're really dying from carbon monoxide poisoning. And carbon monoxide, what it does is it binds to your red blood cells and it does not leave. So it's just like cumulative. The more you keep intaking, it just keeps binding to your red blood cells. And yeah, that's if you have a generator on a boat or if you're stopped, anchored, or just resting, just shut the motor off. There's right. no reason to have it on. And if you're on that back deck or on the swim platform, you're being exposed to a lot of that exhaust our own our old police boat 
um, had uh, it was an inboard, inboard yeah. outboard, and it had the exhaust fan. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that was coming on automatically or if that's something you. I think yours has it. Mine too. has it, but you ha- it's manual. You have to. You have the yeah. manual. Yeah. It's not like the bilge where it comes on automatically. It's it's a yeah. It's a manual. That's probably fan. for when you that's, fuel. That's more for when you fuel up. Yeah, you run the blower for five minutes. Okay, so it's four not minutes for the... is what we teach in our boating safety class. That's like yeah. one of our exam questions. We hammer it into their heads. So yeah. four minutes after you fuel to get those those fumes Vapors out of the bilge. Okay. Yeah, I also open up the hatch. That's good as well. You know, to just when I start it, yeah. yeah, just so that that initial, you know, puff kind of you know dissipates into the air. But mm-hmm. um, the vapors are what just, are the bad. Yeah, you know, if anybody, God forbid, someone's smoking or someone's got a campfire yeah. on shore or something like that, those vapors will go right up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this um, with the boat. This incident that I referenced, uh, unfortunately, <clears throat> the, the young boy died from it. Oh, you know, it was he got it was just. Like you said, it had gotten in his system to the mm-hmm. point where the, it was the point of no return. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, it was tragic. I know. We had one incident out. So I used to work out in Boston Harbor for like nine years when I got on the job. And we had an incident where there was a larger boat got underway and they had a line wrapped around their propeller. So they were just dead in the water. And uh, one of their adult kids went under swam underneath to try to unhook it and untangle it he came up to get one breath of air and went back down never surfaced and they figured that one breath of air was right at the exhaust and he uh, died took, just from one took breath. That in. one breath and that was all it was wow tragic mm-hmm. yeah well i mentioned it, that we at this point in the show we don't take call-ins but we actually do have a write-in question oh yeah yeah can you can you land planes on any of the bodies of water yeah, so there aren't really that many regulations against planes, um, seaplanes. I know they cannot launch from any of our boat ramps, mm-hmm. so you can't have anadromous vehicles. So, you know, like, uh, what do they call them, those little duck boats that have wheels and you can drive them into the water. You can't launch those at boat ramps. Seaplane can't launch from there. So I think unless, like, the the city or the municipality has regulations preventing it, it's okay to do. It's the weirdest thing because we yeah. see it in Pittsfield, Anoda, the, the planes come touch down. Lake Garfield has them and yep. Otis Reservoir mm-hmm. has them. You wouldn't so. think there's enough room to take yeah. off right from the lake, but these, these planes do it. Yeah. yeah. They do it. They, they... We don't ha- so we don't have a law preventing it <clears throat> under okay. you know boating yeah. safety. So that might be under aviation. Maybe. More, more aviation yeah. than, than boating, but, yeah. I, you know, I never heard of it. Yeah. So there you go, Cap. That's the right end question. <laughs> Sergeant uh, Madalena to uh, hit me up on that. <laughs> well, we uh, we are um, closely um, coming to the, the conclusion of the show. Um, you know, as I anticipated, we had a lot to talk about um, with you know the work related stuff. Um, do you want to just really in the two minutes that we have left? Uh, touch a little bit about, um, you know, how you got into, uh, mm-hmm. came to be an environmental police All officer. <laughs> Go. So I'm, I'm local. I grew up in Adams, born and raised, and um, I've always been tomboy outside, catching critters and everything. And I studied biology in school and college. I had no clue. I, I knew I didn't want to teach. I didn't want to be in a lab. I didn't want to be a doctor. And I actually got a summer job at Pittsfield State Forest just working, you know, collecting fees and a game warden came in environmental police and i said what do you guys do and he told me and i said that's it that's what i want to do so i went back to my last semester at college and i did an internship with the environmental police i did ride-alongs and i made that my mission i said that's what i'm going to do i took the exam and there's usually a lag period we don't offer exams every year it's you know every three years maybe So in the meantime, I wasn't just going to wait around. I actually got a job with Mass Wildlife, which is our sister agency. They create all the hunting and fishing laws and got a lot of good experience. Um, And then I got hired for this job, went through the process. And it's, it's different with us than, like, the state police. When they get a new hire, they tend to come out west. Well, with our agency, they all go to Boston. So right out of the gate... I was sent to our uh, marine unit, our offshore patrol boats, and we have incredible, we have federal authority, so, you know, I would go 60 miles offshore. we do all kinds of striped bass, lobster, tuna enforcement. Um, I was there for nine years. I was actually, um, 
our first female patrol boat captain for the whole oh, agency. Wow, I know. So that's exciting. Um, we have a couple bigger boats, 50 feet. Um, one of them is incredible. It's it's like a $1.5 million boat, and uh, you drive it with a joystick, but it, it's oh, such a awesome. resource, yeah, for... Um, has radiation nuclear detection equipment on it and Jeez. everything. Yeah, big homeland security out there for our and guys. And now it's on a Nota Lake, right? I wish. I wish I could take it back with me. And now you're back to the Berkshires. And now, yeah, I'm back here, and I love it, back in the Berkshires. All right, well, thank you for joining us yes, today. thank you. We all learned a lot, and uh, thank you to, for our viewers and listeners. Um, we're signing off. You have... Listen to On Patrol, the PPD, 89.7 WTBR-FM Pittsview Community Radio. Have a great weekend, everybody.